thank you very much. Would you take your seats and would you turn in the scriptures, however you have them with you this morning, would you turn in the scriptures to the Gospel of John chapter 7. John chapter 7 and reading from verse 37 of the 7th chapter of John's Gospel. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Others said he is the Messiah. Still others asked, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not scripture say that Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Last Sunday was, of course, Pentecost Sunday, and a day when the church right around the world looked back 2,000 years ago to the moment that God poured out the Holy Spirit on his people. We thought last week about the words of Maya Angelou, the great American uh, Christian writer and poet who died about a few months ago, and about her describing herself as someone who was respectful of the past. She deeply respected the past. Nonetheless, she was a person of the present with an eye on the future. And we noted it's a great way to live as a spirit-filled Christian in the 21st century. We look back with great joy and great excitement at what God did 2,000 years ago on what we call the first Pentecost. But we recognize, too, that we're not just people who respect the past. We are people living in the present, in need in the present. And we're people with an eye on the future. And what God has given us, we need to continue to see flourish in the generations to come. And so we need to listen to Peter's sermon on that first day of Pentecost, where he says in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the promise is to you. And the promise is to your children. And the promise is to as many as the Lord our God shall call. To those who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. And we remembered Martin Scott's prophetic word over one of the mothers here in the church in 2008, which has been so on my heart in recent days and weeks. It simply said this, these things are for you and they are for your children, declares the Lord. These things are for you and they are for your children. And I feel like declaring that over us as a congregation once again this morning. In the name of Jesus, I believe these things are for you and they are for your children, declares the Lord. They are for you and they are for your children. The words we've read this morning come from a very well-known moment in the life of Jesus. He's in the temple in Jerusalem. And according to John in verse 28, he is teaching a group of people, perhaps a small crowd have come around him, and he is teaching in the temple precincts. John writes in verse 37 that these events took place during the Feast of Tabernacles. 
And the Feast of Tabernacles was an important feast in the nation of Israel in its annual list of feasts and celebrations. It was a feast that celebrated God's goodness to them while they were in the wilderness awaiting time to come into the promised land. And it was a feast also that was a feast of harvest. So water was very much at the center of it. And it was a feast that reminded them of the occasion when there was no water in the desert. And God said to Moses, strike the rock. And he struck the rock and water came pouring forward. So water's at the heart of this festival. It's a festival of harvest as well. And what happened was they used to pray that God would send the rains. Prayer for rain took place during the festival of tabernacles. And they believed if it did rain during the actual festival, then it was a sign that God was really going to bless them in a special way. So every day at this festival, water was taken from the pool of Siloam in a large jug. And the priest would walk with it in procession up through the water gate into the courtyards of the temple. And with him would be a crowd of people. They'd be singing and rejoicing and chanting words from the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 12 was popular. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. They used to recite and chant the words of Psalm 113 to 118. And uh, that was part of their regular celebration during the course of this feast. And then at the key point in their celebration, the priest would come to the altar. And he would lift up that jug, probably a golden jug, full of water. And in that dry and thirsty land, he would pour it out on the altar as an offering to God. And I can't prove this from scripture. But lots of commentators suggest it might be just at that moment when Jesus utters his amazing invitation to you and to me. Before we get there, let me say something that's really vital about this story. According to the New Testament, in John and in Paul's writings, the real meaning of the Feast of Tabernacles was that it pointed to Jesus himself. It pointed to Jesus. The Feast of Tabernacles, as I said, is about that moment in Exodus chapter 17 where the people are without a source of water. They don't know where the water's coming from. There's a million men, so there must be more women and children. They're in the desert, and they don't know where the water source is. In Leeds, we have 750,000 plus people. Imagine at least three times that group of people, and there is no water. And Moses says, what do I do? And God says, take your wooden staff and strike the rock. And he does so. You're familiar with the story. And out from the rock begins to flow rivers of living water. And in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse Paul, verse 4, I'm sorry, Paul says this to us, that the rock is Christ Jesus. The staff represents the cross. And the water represents the life-giving flow of the Holy Spirit into a dry and thirsty land. And so we return to the scene we've been talking about. Perhaps Jesus is teaching and the people are looking at him. Perhaps, I can't prove this from scripture, perhaps at that moment he turns and the high priest takes the water and is about to pour it on 
to the altar. And as he does, Jesus looks, and because he looks, the people with him look in his direction. As the water cascades over the altar, Jesus cries out, according to John, verse 7, in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, the scriptures have said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. It's the invitation of Jesus. And to help us to be clear about his meaning, John writes in verse 39, By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. In that moment, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was prophesying the pouring out of the Spirit of God into all who are thirsty. That the fullness of his Spirit is available to all who long for him. I wonder this morning, are we thirsty people for more of God? Are we longing for the things of the Spirit? Let me say a few things about the words that are used in this particular passage. First, John's words in verse 39, if you have your Bibles open. John uses this word. He says, by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. We've said many times, we've said many times that water is a great picture of the Holy Spirit, but it's inadequate. Water washes and cleanses. Water revives and refreshes. It quenches thirst. But you can't have relationship with water because water is inanimate. Water can't respond to you. That's why John uses the word whom. And we need to remind ourselves this morning that the Spirit is not a force or a power or simply an energy. He is a person. He is God, the Holy Spirit. And we are called to submit to him. Can I say this very lovingly this morning? The Spirit of God is not a plaything. He's God, the Holy Spirit. And he calls for a submission in our hearts and lives to him, to his glory, to all that he wants to choose. He's God, the Holy Spirit. This is vital. and It's why it's so wonderful that we can experience the fullness of God, the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're not receiving a power, but a person. We're not receiving an energy source. We're receiving the one called the comforter. The comforter wants to fill us from top to toe. And I suggest to you that the comforter is very often much more concerned about who we are than what we think we're doing for him. If it's true that we are filled with the presence of a person, then I ask myself about my own life. Shouldn't it be that the life and nature of that person shows through our lives. If we're not filled with an inanimate power source, if we're filled with a person, if we're filled with the person of the Holy Spirit, if we're filled with the third person of the Trinity, shouldn't something of his life and character show through us, if that's really true? If it's true that rivers of living water flow out from us, but they don't change our speech or our character. We have a serious problem, ladies and gentlemen. Husbands, if you claim that you are a spirit-filled believer, but the way that you talk to your wife and children negates that, you need to do some rethinking and some repenting. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it is not a game that we're involved in. God has called us these days as a matter of life and death. There are people who will go to a Christless eternity in our city, but God can use us by his glory to minister the grace of God to them through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to do that, we will need to be people filled with the Holy Spirit. To quote one writer, if this baptism, this fullness of the Holy Spirit is really an intensification of the Spirit's presence within us, then it ought to lead not only to dynamic ministry, but to a better life and character. Not just dynamic ministry, but a better life and character. We ought to be nicer people if we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm just saying it to myself. It's okay. Okay. It's not just about dynamic ministry, though that's key. There's a moment in Matthew chapter 7 when Jesus says about the last days that there will be people who come to him and they say, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? He'll say, away from me, I didn't even know you. Didn't we drive out demons in your name? Away from me, I didn't even know you. My name is powerful. That doesn't mean that I know you or you know me. If we're seeking to be filled with the person and the spirit, we must submit to him so that his life can shine through ours. Secondly, I want to point out the prerequisite for the fullness of the Spirit. Jesus simply says in verse 37, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Think for a moment about the scene that we have enacted. And if I'm speaking strongly this morning, it's because I'm challenged to the core of my own being. I'm speaking to me this morning, not necessarily to anybody else. But I think about this scene about the centuries-old tradition of carrying the golden jug, of singing the psalms, of pouring the water out on the altar as the ceremony required, I think Jesus might be saying in these moments, listen, the deep spiritual desire that runs on the inside you very frequently will not be met simply through the annual carrying out of a historical ritual. It will be met and fulfilled when you give time to come to me and seek me. Saying to me, Andy, the deep desire you have for more of me, more of the things of your spirit, it will not be met in casual Bible reading and a five-minute prayer because you think you've got something else more important or more interesting to go to. It will be met when you give me time to speak into your life, when you spend time in my presence. Years ago, I used to visit a lady in East Leeds and... um, Usually what would happen is I'd knock and she'd smile and go in the door and that's where the friendship finished really. Uh, Within a few moments she'd say, it's a long time since I've seen you. And then from there on it was downhill. The welcome got worse, if you understand what I mean. And it would normally mean that the neighbours were criticised for not helping, the church was criticised for not helping and the family were criticised for not helping. Nobody was any good apart from her. And I just sort of stood it generally for 45 minutes and then I prayed with her and I left. But do you know what? The entire time, Christian television was on in the background. The entire time. Every time I went, Christian TV was on. I wonder if Jesus is saying to us this morning, listen, folks, the deep spiritual longing that you have in your heart will not be met by the ritual of having Christian TV on in the background while you're doing something else. It will be met by you giving me time, seeking my face, calling upon my name, crying out to me, seeing that thirst met in personal relationship that is deep 
with me. Look, we're all busy people. Some of us here are at a busy stage. Some mums here are so busy with the family, you do not need a lecture from me on how to organise your time. But it is possible for us to rush through the things of God to things that we think are more important. It's possible for us to be flippant with the things of God because there's something else we want to do that we actually believe will satisfy our soul even more, and it won't in the end. The invitation from Jesus is to come to him. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and he will pour out the Spirit in our lives. I'm no expert in languages at all, but I understand that Jesus' words in verse 37 are in the present imperative. That's to say they could just as easily be written like this. Let anyone who is thirsty keep coming to me and keep on drinking. It's lifelong. It's an invitation from Jesus to seek him, to ask him, to be with him, to be filled with the Spirit of the living God. Thirdly, I want you to notice there's a generosity in the heart of God. Jesus says, he who is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, out of his or her innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Not streams, not brooks, not trickles. The promise is for rivers. And I stand before you this morning and I ask myself this question. Have I really ex ever experienced the fullness of what God promised in those words? That rivers of living water would flow out from my innermost being. Maybe you ask yourself the same question today. I greeted a lady before first service today. Never met her before in my life. And I shared in first service an illustration that is not in my notes. I didn't intend to share it. And it's, I've shared it with you before. It's about Shadwell Village. It's about a mile and a half from me. How Shadwell means shady wells. It's an Anglo-Saxon word. And how in the village and in the surrounding area, there are many springs and there are many wells. It's just one of those areas. And in the middle of Shadwell, there's a road called Holywell Road. And someone wrote a history of Shadwell in the year 2000. And they said this, we think Holywell comes from the fact that early Christians were baptized in that well in the heart of Shadwell. And then the author, I don't know if she's a Christian or not, she wrote these words. She said, the well has never run dry, but it has been blocked. Those words stayed with me. I read them in 2000. The well has never run dry. It has been... The well of God's spirit has never run dry. God has never turned back his promise. But may I say for myself, and maybe this applies to you too, maybe it applies to you, it has been blocked. So the lady who I spoke to at the beginning of the service came to me afterwards. She said to me, do you mind if I have a quick word? I said, no, it's okay. She said, my name's Catherine. She said, I live in Holywell Lane in Shadwell. She said, I've been out with the vicar praying that God would stir up the spirit in Shadwell and surrounding area. I'd never intended coming here this morning, but I thought before I go to St. Paul's in the village, I'd just pop into your church and see what God was doing. God's stirring up people all over the nation, people we wouldn't even expect, people we don't even know. And I want to be part of what God is doing. And that means I need to be seeking God that out of my innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The Spirit of God moves amongst us in different ways. Time's really racing on. Let me just say this to you. It's rivers. 
For you, some of you, it may be a river of prophecy. Others, it might be a river of tongues and interpretation. Some of you, I hope for all of us, at some point or another, it will be a river of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. If that doesn't flow out of us at some time or another, I think we've missed the point. It might be a river of healing. But there also ought to be rivers of God's peace. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, kindness, self-control. Those rivers ought to be flowing from the inside of us into a needy world through the Spirit's work. And Jesus says, if you're thirsty for these things, if you long for these things, come to me. Keep coming to me. Keep drinking from me. Come unto me and out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. These things are for us, declares the Lord. And they are for our children. The promise is to us. Finally, Jesus says, the water of life is found by keeping on coming and keeping on drinking from him. Let me put it this way, very simple. 35 years ago, I got married in the Old Bridge Street. 35 years ago, I had a wedding. I don't have a wedding today. I, <coughs> I have a marriage. <coughs> Excuse me. I had a wonderful wedding 35 years ago. I've seen the photographs recently. I haven't changed at all in all that time. <laughs> on that... It's really hurtful laughter. That I, will press, I will press on. Today I don't have a wedding. I, I have a marriage. I have a relationship that was at least kind of formally begun on that day. And by the grace of God and with the help of a patient wife has flourished over the years to become much deeper than it was at the beginning. Here's my question. Do we know Jesus any more than we did when we first came to Christ? Do we know the fullness of the Holy Spirit any more than we did when we first came to the Lord Jesus Christ? As it were, when we stood at the altar and made our vows to him in response to his vows to us. Do we know him any more? As we said last week, for many of us here, there was a day or an evening when we also felt that infilling power of the Holy Spirit. People are away some week and they hear the next. Forgive me repeating myself, but I remember the stories of some of you who are here this morning. How after camp or conference or something like that, you stood on the platform in the old Bridge Street and, and you said, God filled me with the Holy Spirit and this is what happened and we celebrated with you. But it's possible for all those things to go on the back burner with the business of life. It can be years since we last worshipped in tongues. Years since we last spoke in tongues. Years since we last prophesied. Years since we last shared our faith. The river needs to run again. And yet, friends, the promise remains the same today as it did in the temple courts of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. If anyone's thirsty, anyone who once knew the fullness of the Spirit but hasn't done so for a long time, if anyone is thirsty, anyone who has perhaps shied away from the whole idea of the fullness of the Spirit, if anyone... Anyone who has never even heard that there was a Holy Spirit, if anyone is thirsty for the water of life, will keep on coming to me and keep on thirsting, then I promise, says Jesus, that out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And by that he meant the Spirit, the person, the comforter, the third person of the Trinity, whom he can pour into our lives. We have some minutes left to reach out to God.
this morning. I want to ask you a question. Are you thirsty at all? Even if you're slightly thirsty this morning, will you reach out to him? I wonder if you're here this morning, and as we pray and worship, you're conscious that you need to repent of past attitudes or even current attitudes. Repent of relationships that you shouldn't be in. Repent of attitudes to your wife or attitudes to your husband. Things, you see, the flow has never dried up, but it has been blocked. Sometimes it takes breaking of pride and honesty before God. Uh, humility. It says, God, I need to go and apologize to this person. I need to telephone them today. I need to email. I need to send a message. I need to confess to you, God, this morning. I have sinned, and it's blocked what you wanted to do in and through me in this city. Today, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I repent of those things. I turn from them, and I open my life up so that in me, you can send in his fullness the person of the comforter, and I can overflow with rivers of your spirit from my innermost being. Do we need to repent of past attitudes? Do we need to repent of having put him on the back burner? Do we need to repent of offence caused elsewhere? Do we need to ask his forgiveness? Well, he's here and he's ready to receive us and to fill us again. So I'm going to invite you to stand. Service isn't over. We've got time left. And as we, as we begin to worship, as my and the team leaders, why don't you just reach out to God? You can do that quietly. I want to encourage you, if you do do that quietly, and that's absolutely fine. I love quiet. I love silence. It's my age, I think. But, but you know, let your lips move. Because if God wants to fill you with the Spirit and cause you to speak in tongues this morning, he'll do it through lips that are already moving, not through lips that are locked tight. Maybe he'll release again a song in tongues as we're all worshiping. No one else will hear, but you'll just rejoice in being filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit this morning. He's here. Let's just ask him to fill us this morning, to create in us a thirst. Let's ask him that out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Do that right now. Thank you, Maisie.